1 Thessalonians 4, we will be there momentarily. Did you know the third of the Bible is prophecy? About one-third of the Bible is prophecy. Seems like we sort of have lost the impetus of that. In some circles, it's fallen out of vogue, if you might say. But I tell you, we need to know what God has in plan for us. We can't know every single detail, but there's a lot we can know. And so that's going to be our topic next few weeks, next several weeks. Who knows? Maybe for the rest of our, my time here at the church. I don't know. But there we go. It says uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the T-books, by the way, are all together in the Scripture. I didn't realize that until recently, but the T-books are all together in the New Testament. So if you knew the Bible, you can find one T and just sort of stay in that. I think we can uh, get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you will follow along with me. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Harpazo, same word Paul used in 2 Corinthians 12. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Perhaps the greatest of all verses is that last one. Comfort one another. God's plan will be uh, implemented. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, next few moments, I pray that you'd uh, empty me of self, forgive me of sin, help me to think clearly. As we look into your word regarding what you have in store for the future, may we understand, Lord, it is not an impetus to be irresponsible, but an impetus to be responsible and to share your plan with others and the good news that people do not have to go to a crisis eternity, but there is hope that we don't sorrow those who have no hope, for we have hope. It is Jesus Christ, the Savior. Lord, be with me today, be with those teaching downstairs. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So one of these days, it says in verse 17 that we're going to be caught up. That's rapturo in the, in the Latin language. We call it rapture. The word rapture is not specifically found in our King James translations, but that is the idea, caught up, snatched away. And for those who are left behind, it is going to be a very, very dismal, dismal thing. I personally believe, according to 2 Thessalonians, if you've heard the gospel and you've rejected the truth of the gospel, that then you will believe a strong delusion. That's why I, it may not be that way. John R. Rice would say as long as there's life, there's hope. And so there's not, there's not complete agreement, but most uh, people who are literal, literalist, pre-tribulationists believe that's why we preach so strongly that you need to receive Christ now while you have the opportunity before the door is closed for receiving Christ. If we are not in this time frame of this chapter, I think we're pretty close. Now, the Lord may not come back for 3,000 years, but I can't see this world lasting that long, but it might. But it would seem, the, the songwriter said, lift up your head, our redemption draweth nigh. We, we are to, and John Phillips says he's no longer looking for the sights, he's listening for the sound. And we should be looking for Christ to come again for his church at, at any moment. Now, as we think about the rebirth of Israel, 
Let me just, I was listening to David Jeremiah this week, and he gave me, he gave three salient reasons why we should be in debt, why we are indebted to Israel. As you're turning to Genesis chapter 12 for a moment, please. He said, first of all, the scriptures. It is the Jewish people who are given the responsibility to keep the scriptures. The Masoretes in 980 put the vowel points to to the grammar of the Hebrew text, so the tetragrammaton, the YHWH, became Yahweh or Yehovah because they put the vowel points. This was 900 AD. So we are beholding to the Jewish people for Scripture. Secondly, how about the, the rule of law? Most civilized, if not all civilized nations who have survived have followed the rule of law as, as given to Moses, the Ten Commandments. And how about, how about the Savior? Through the Jewish people we have, the Scriptures, the law, the Savior. So I, I'm telling you, we are behooved to Jewish people. We, 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 we owe them much. I'm not saying they're perfect by any means. You go to Israel today, they are just about 30,000 Christians will understand in Israel, Israel today before, before October the 7th. There's 30,000. Most Jews reject Jesus as the Messiah. How about the nations of the world? It says in Genesis 12, 3, if those three aren't good enough for you, I, know, I believe they are, but, and I will bless them that bless thee, says to Abraham, and I will curse them that curses thee, and, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That one verse alone to the Israelite nation, we are to be on their side. Every nation that turns its, just think back, now they had, God allows them a time of running roughshod over Israel, but look at the nations who've gone by the wayside, and Israel still stands. You want to know who's king of the mountain? Israel's still there. Babylon, Assyria, Rome, Greece, all these, all these people, Haman, Hitler, all these people who have tried to trounce the Jews and throw them out, the Jews are still here, and they've gone by the wayside. Why is that? Because God watches over his children. He does. He does. Again, I'm not promoting, I'm not saying all, everything a Jew does, is, the Jewish nation does is correct now, but I am saying they are God's chosen people. So what happened in 1948? I'm not going to ask you if you were alive in 1948, but some of you may be old enough to remember 1948 and what happened. The Jews became a nation once again. It was a very historic date, the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Now, the first record population, as you're turning back to 1 Thessalonians, if you want to, or just hold your Bibles, there we go, we're moving a lot around today. The first record of the population demographic since Josephus, which is about 100 A.D., it was in 1880, and about 3% or 25,000 of the 7.8 million Jews were actually in the land in 1880, 25,000. Then, of course, Hitler came along and annihilated six of the about 9.3 million Jews in Europe. Six million Jews. Six million People exterminated because they didn't fit the the paradigm. You think Satan doesn't hate the Jewish people? He does. He does. Hates them with a vengeance. And so we find that that, that wrath came. Today there's about 16.1 million people, about 0.2%, 2% of, not even 1%, 2%, 0.2%, I'm sorry, 0.2% of the 8 billion people on earth are Jews. 
So God turned the hearts of the Jewish people to go back to where many of them would now be. Uh, hopefully next week I will share with you the, the decrease of population on one side and increase of population on the other. Jews have left lands and they're going back to Israel. Back to Israel. Matter of fact, during the World War II, if you remember this name, the M.S. St. Louis in 1939. Do you remember that name? He, this boat of Jews came to America. America turned them aside, sent them back. A third of them were murdered, I think, before they even got back to Israel, and then a lot of them probably faced the gas chambers. Today, we, they went from 600,000 Jews in 1948 to 7.106,000 7, Jews in Israel approximately today. 600,048. Seven, they're returning to the land from 600,000 to, to seven, over 7 million now in the land of Israel. What an amazing thing. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, America is the second largest Jewish population in the world. We find that they have returned. And how big is Israel? If you get all the land, about New Jersey right now, about the size of New Jersey. Having lived in New Jersey, my wife lived in both sides of New Jersey. It's not. It's about three hours from one end to the other. If you take the Garden State Parkway, and there's not too much traffic there, it's, it's a big difference. North Jersey is like the difference between Columbus, Ohio, and McGoffin County. So that North Jersey and South Jersey. North Jersey is just like a, a, a suburb of New York City. Honestly, we we live 12 minutes from from the George Washington Bridge going into New York City at one point in time. It's just like we could hear different languages. I'd walk to school, walk to church, and they'd go by all these different Arab deli, blah, blah, blah. you hear all these different languages. South Jersey, it's like, mm, mm, it's, it's very, very rural in lots of places. Israel, about the size of New Jersey. But God has, God has his eye on Israel. It is, it's, Jerusalem is, is God's city. One of the best explanations I heard of how it has worked in the last several hundred years, let's say you were given a ticket to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Ricardo Mufti's directing, and it is in Chicago Symphony. I hope you ever heard Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. It is flabbergasting. Anyway, you have a front row seat. So you get there and you sit down on your reserve seat. All of a sudden, you get a phone call, and to respect everybody else, you go out to the lobby to answer the phone call, and while you're getting out... Jeremy comes along, and he takes my seat. He just walked in off the street. So I'm on the phone call, and I come back, and I, and I say, and Jeremy's, I said, that is my seat. Oh, no, well, I'm sitting here now, but it was given to me. It is mine by, by, uh, by all rights. This is mine, but I'm sitting here right now. Good luck getting me out. That is what's happened to Israel. They were given the land by God clearly to Abraham. It's still God, it's still their land. And so what they have been, they got the phone call called 70 AD when they rejected, rejected Rome. Rome thumped them really big. And so they're out of the land. 135, they try it again. They're out of the land. Matter of fact, uh, Hadrian renames the city Aeolia Palestina, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And, and then they, uh, he also, that was the city of Jerusalem. And then, of course, he calls it in Palestine, the area instead of Israel. So for approximately 1,900 years before 1948, if you looked on a map, there was no nation of Israel. And if you look probably on Iran's map, there still is no nation of Israel because they're so against it. So here we have this nation who was not, now is. You think it's a, 
important prophetically? I think absolutely it's important prophetically. You see, because for the prophecies of the second coming to come to pass, where must Israel be? In the land. Remember he says in Matthew chapter 24, about verse 16, ye who are are in Chicago, please flee to the... Ye who are in New York City, Jews, please... No, it's ye who are in Judea. Get on top of your house. If you're on top, get down. Don't even... Just go. Just get out because it's coming. Don't even pack your bags. Middle of tribulation period. Not ye who are in Missouri or wherever it was that Joseph Smith says that the second thing is going to be. And Isaiah, Isaiah, however you want to pronounce it, 66 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Yes, it shall be born at once. Through God's directive hand, we have now this nation of Israel, a nation once more. Amazing thing. 70 AD comes along. Jesus had predicted very clearly. It's interesting. It took about, I don't know, 60 years to remodel, build a temple. 64 AD, the temple is done. Wow, look what we've done. 67 AD, they revolt against Rome, and here comes Rome. And by 70 AD, that temple it took so long to build, not one stone is left on another. Jesus predicted that. The Jews are a million, well, I think Josephus said 1.1 million Jews died in 70 AD. 79 or 97,000 were made slaves. Well, by their children have grown up, and by 130, 132, A.D., they revolt again, the Bar Kokhba revolt. And then they are massacred and think Hadrian terminates the rights of Jews to live in the land. 135 A.D., the right to live in the land terminated. Jeremy's come in. I'm sitting here, and I'm much stronger, which he probably, I'm sure he is. And I'm, I'm healthier than you are. You're a flabby old pastor. So I'm staying here. And so since 135 A.D., he's been in my seat. But it's still my seat. And one day, God will oversee Jeremy, and Jeremy's going to be sitting next door door to me, but I will have my seat, because it is my seat. God gave it to me. Or not God. Anyway, my wife brought me a ticket to that. By the way, you should go see Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. It is really amazing. Isn't it amazing that God has given mankind the ability to do such things? You should be a one-string banjo. Praising God for all he has done for you today. That bird up there this morning, I wish I could brought him in. What beautiful singing. And he has to work the entire day just to eat. You and I, we go to home, we got all this pantry food. We could cook 10 different things for, for lunch. Let me know what you're having, whatever sounds best. I'm coming to your house for lunch. No, I'm just teasing. I, don't, I wouldn't impose on you like that. Years ago, Joseph Zeiss, who is a commentator, a Lutheran pastor, wrote in 1856, he said these words before it's even popular. One day, in 1856, one day the people of Israel will go back to the promised land. I do not know how it will happen, but I believe it will happen because the Bible predicts it will happen. He wrote that in the day when the vast majority of pastors denied the truth. But it happened in 1948. They have, they're a nation again, and they're coming back to the land. What an amazing thing. 
Ezekiel 11, 17, God had predicted, and God is always faithful to his word, that he would regather the Jewish people. Listen to Ezekiel eleven seventeen. Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. So I would just tell the Arab people, listen, find somewhere else to attack because this is, God, this is theirs. It's still my seat. Jeremy's got to find somewhere else to sit. I'm sorry to pick on you so much. Jeremy's got to find somewhere else to sit because that's my seat. There's a lot of other seats. It sits 5,000 people in this place. You've got a lot of places to go. But that one place, stay out of it. You might just give up on it because it's God giving it to the Jewish people. Yes, he's chosen people exactly. Ezekiel 8, 38, 8, please. Ezekiel 38, 8. If you can get over there, want to follow along. I'm going to go rather, rather quickly, probably. But uh, Ezekiel 8, 38. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 38. So we got five major prophets, and Ezekiel being one of those. Does that mean they're more important than the minor prophets? No. It just simply means the minor prophets would all fit on one scroll. So they were called the most smaller, one scroll, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, the five major prophets, 12 minor prophets, five law, 12 history, five poetry, five major, uh, 12 minor, and you've got all 39 books. Right there you go. 38.8, after many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. The rise of Russia will be a, a coming topic, but that's, we see that in Ezekiel 38 and 39. God's going to bring his people back. After many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years, thou shalt come unto the land that is brought back from the sword. They are going to come back. They're coming back. They're already, this is already happening since 19, you've already gone from 600,048 to over 7 million in 2023. There's going to be a restoration, ultimate restoration. Zechariah talks about that. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 9, please. Zechariah 10, 9. If you want to keep following along with me, because I think it really helps you to see that more than just hear it. Zechariah 10, 9. Another regathering. And I will sow them among the people, and they shall remember me in far countries, and they shall live with their children and turn again. Isaiah 43, verse 6. The second coming of the Messiah. Isaiah 43, verse 6, please. Before the second coming of the Messiah, it says here, Isaiah 43, Verse 6, Isaiah 43, verse 6. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, give not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So the, for the very first time, I believe, since about AD 70, the church since 19, and the Israel have coexisted since 1948. You have the church, you have the nation of Israel again as a nation, first time since 1948. Some of you have witnessed that. I was not alive in 48, but I think some of you were. What an amazing thing that was. It's sort of like a jigsaw puzzle. So God's taking all these puzzles, all these pieces, and he's putting it together. And we, what's God's prophetic schedule? What happens next? We are waiting for a non-prophetically driven event. 
There's no prophecy has to happen before you and I can go up with Christ when he comes back for his church. It is imminent. Matter of fact, these people in 1 Thessalonians, after having Paul there for three weeks, and Paul having been gone for about three months, are already wondering. And they're looking for Christ to come back. Matter of fact, evidently, some had left their jobs. If you remember, you may not remember, and I wasn't alive either, in the 1800s, Mr. Miller said the Lord's coming back at a certain time, and, and the Millerites said, we're going to quit our jobs, and they quit their jobs and put on white robes on the day he was coming back, the Lord, and they climbed up trees, they'd sold everything, and, and they were waiting for the Lord. Matter of fact, they built, you can see it, still see it in Amish country, you can see this big chair they built for the Lord to sit on when he comes back. They were so sure, I'll just stop working. And we're just going to get ready for the Lord to come back. We're going to put on our robes, and he's coming back today. That was 1800s, middle 1800s. Held camping most recently, mm, 2012, about May 14, approximately. I think it was his last time. Four or five times he changed it. The Lord's coming back this day. And then they would say, oh, he didn't come back. Oh, that was a spiritual return. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that the Lord came back spiritually in 1914 because he didn't come back physically. So now it's spiritually and he started to rule in heaven in 1914. Don't start date setting. There was a man who wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Comes Back in 1988. Do you remember that book? I think I've got it somewhere. I had it one time. Maybe you've used it for Firestarter. I don't know. Sure. But what I can tell you with certainty, he is coming. There's no doubt in my mind, as much as my feeble mind can maintain, he is coming back for his church and then coming back to rule and to reign. So we consider a third part of the scripture is prophetic speaking. So there's a widespread ignorance over many things, but a widespread ignorance over God's prophetic schedule. And there's been the reluctance on pastors such as me or other people who, who are afraid necessarily speak on this topic because of all those who have cast a negative shadow on prophetic speakers. Well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But the Bible's Bible is pretty clear what God has in mind. If you interpret literally, historically, grammatically, if you interpret that way, it's pretty clear. You can, I believe, outline a schedule. There, there was one reason why earlier on, very about 45 years ago now, Bill Hybels in Chicago, Rick Ward out west, they were very much the seeker-sensitive movement. It changed churches greatly because what they would do is they would say, well, they would actually... They would, go to, they would go up and down Route 30, 3307, up this hop and down the hollers. Well, what, what, do you, what do you want to see in a church? Well, I like, uh, I like coffee bar, okay? Coffee bar. I, I like, or I like this. I like a jungle gym outside. I like to have a jasmine in the play, about three different. Yes, got that down. I, got the, I, got, I, don't want, I don't want much Bible. I want a lot of music. I want a, a lot of work. I want like, to light, run the lights down. We, we want, and so they started designing their churches by what the people wanted instead of designing their churches by thus saith the Lord. And as a matter of fact, 40 years later, Bill Heibel said something to the effect, we have really been a failure because no, there's no Christians that come to our churches that have any kind of depth spiritually. They're all just shallow Christians. They've not taught them the truths of God's word. So the guy who was much probably the single Willow Creek, where he was... He, I said, we just, it's not worked. I tell you, what, this is the only thing that works. When you and I keep God's word center, we have got to base our lives upon that. Our paradigm should be Jesus first, the Bible, etc. 
So we're going to learn, I believe a lot of churches today hold to a rapture of Christ catching away his church. We would not all agree. Matter of fact, maybe some of you, now we, will, we don't have to agree on this part. I'm a pre-tribulational rapture. In other words, I believe before the tribulation, that those seven years for the Jews, the last 70, the 70th week of Daniel, the last seven of the 480, 490 years, specifically for the Jews, that's what the tribulation is. It's the last seven of those 490 years. It's the 70th week of Daniel. We've had 69. It is for the Jews. We have our time now. This is the church. When the church is gone, it goes back. He's focusing on the Jewish people, so they will come to him as the Messiah. Matter of fact, of the 144,000 witnesses in Revelation, I think it is seven, how many are Gentile? Zero. It's about the Jew. Now, there'll be Gentiles saved, I believe, during that time. Those who've never heard the gospel, there'll be, I think, possibly, it was Tim LaHaye who said he believes more will be saved during the seven-year period of the tribulation than the entire church age up to that point. That was, that's his own personal opinion. But there will be a lot to be saved. Matter of fact, can you not find in Revelation 9, I think it is, the souls who have been martyred for Christ, they've lost their heads. The guillotine is coming back, evidently. Very efficient way to... Kill somebody, there's no doubt. When your head's gone, you're, it's, it's, you're, you're gone. I was thinking about that today. He mentioned in Sunday school, Paul lost his head. So how does all that work with God putting us back together? How does it work when someone is completely, uh, their, their, their body's completely destroyed? Can, can God do that? It's faith. If God can make you, give you life from two small little things in your mother's fallopian tubes getting together, I think he can put you back together later on. Matter of fact, I'm counting on it. I can tell you so much that my mom and dad are counting on it. That our new bodies will be like his body. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. Isn't it? Our God, and it's the one word I use only for, I use awesome for one thing. Our God is awesome. He's, we should stand in awe of our God, and that He loves you, that He loves me. It's amazing. It is, it is jaw-dropping. If you've ever been to the Ark Encounter, if you've been to the Ark Encounter, if you have, the very first time you, you get a little bus around, and you pull around there, and you see the Ark for the first time, it's like... Wow, that is, a, that is a big, matter of fact, it's so big it knocked my microphone off, even from this far away. It's jaw-dropping big. That, that's what it is. And so let's continue on. We just got a short, short, short time left. Matthew, we find in Matthew, matter of fact, when the church is gone, it says in Matthew 24, 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved for the elect's sake. Those days are shortened. This tribulation period is going to be a terrible time, a horrible time. It's going to be, uh, we mentioned last time, perhaps even the climate change people say, well, it's not God, it's just the climate change we told you that God is going to revel against us. It's God doing all this. Look into your Bibles. We don't want the Bible. We are willingly ignorant. Isn't that a, a very true statement there? Willingly ignorant. I don't want to know. It's like directions. When I find I have something to put together, I don't want to know necessarily what the directions say. I can do it myself. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Stevens and I were trying to take down the jasmine, and he was saying, I was trying to do it. And it had these strings. The bottom feet have strings. So he pulled out, and it, you can't even just pop it off. He goes, 
He takes it, pulls it out, and snaps it in place. It goes just like that. Oh, that's really great the way it works. I was trying to figure out why. Come on, pull that out. It's tied in there. See, you pull it out, and you snap it in place in these little rubber things, right? He didn't say all those things. He just showed me how to do it. Directions are great things, but we need to know what God says for us. We should obey what he has for us. And so these coming programs, there's, I'm watching the clock. Uh, the first, there's two comings. For example, it's, and it's not all one singular event. If I were to ask you about the first coming of Christ, you'd say, well, he was placed in Mary's womb, born of a virgin, lived a sinful, sinless life, sin, sinless life, committed no sin. He was horribly treated. He was crucified, buried, rose again. He ascended. That's all part of his first coming. He was tabernacled among us. So that's part of the first coming. The second coming is, involves the rapture of the church. It involves a tribulation time. It involves the battle of Armageddon when Christ comes back to rule and to reign. It involves the, 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 the sheep and the goats judgment. It involves a thousand year reign here on Christ. It involves that last big battle. It involves the new order, new heaven and new earth. This world being toast with fire in Second Peter. That's all part of the second coming program. So don't confuse the rapture, what we're waiting for at any moment, and his revelation when he comes back in Revelation chapter 19. King of kings and Lord of lords. And we come back with him. He has to come for his saints before he can come with his saints. So we're coming back with him. And I think we're wearing white wearing, riding white horses. So those who, like me, are horse, a little bit fearful horses, I'll have that fear taken care of and we'll all be there together. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. So, in keeping with this first part, I only got to page, whatever it was, five, five or six. So, what do we do about this? I was thinking these thoughts before I pray. What are we doing with our time? What do we know about, don't be ignorant regarding what the Bible says. Well, I just don't know. Are you trying? You know, I, some of us, perhaps, I'm just going to hit on some, I was told I need to step on toes and hands and fingers and things this week. Sports scores we know, fishing techniques we know, online sales we know, store bargains we know, the, the uh, lowest prices we know, the tools that are on sale we know, those things. But what do we know about God's Word, which is far more important? We spend so much time on your phone, Pastor. You spend so much time on your phone. Why aren't you spending time in God's Word? So you aren't ignorant of those things which He has planned if I went to a sewing machine extravaganza, I'd be like a fish out of water. Because I know nothing about sewing machines except I can hurt my finger on the needle most likely. But for when I go to heaven, I don't want to be a fish out of water. This is what I've been waiting for. I told Adam before he played, I said, and, and she was playing that beautiful song for offertory. Won't it be glory for us to see him face to face? That's what you and I should be excited about. And living our lives for. Let go of your worldly things. Now, they're not even necessarily even bad. But they're keeping you from the best of things. How much of your life have you wasted by not putting Him first? Pastor, how much of your life? I'm far too much. It's not just, it's me. So, don't be unregenerated. 
unsaved, unbelieving, if you're not sure you're truly his child, you need to get that settled now. Does not the world events tell Listen, wake up, tell you, wake up. I've got to get this settled once and for all. Satan will beat you up. He will beat you up till the cows come home until you settle it and do what God told you you need to do and get it settled and enjoy the peace of God that passes understanding. Don't be unbelieving. Don't be indifferent. Oh, pastor, he just keeps going on a rampage today. Listen, don't be indifferent. There's people dying every single day in Greenup, Sauda counties. People who want to know the truth. Talking to a lady just this past Friday. I said, I have a Bible study. She goes, can you come down to our center and have a Bible study? I said, I probably could. Can you come every week? I said, no, I've got seven centers. I can't do that. But I can try to, we'll start, try to start one here, at least maybe, maybe twice a month. He goes, good, because my daughter is so fearful. I'm going to have her come here, and I want her to hear the truth. So that's, you know, that's, man, to catch me out. If I can get paid to go out and teach Bible studies, shh, don't tell, don't tell the people of my work. <laughs> don't be unengaged. Don't be unmoved, and don't be uninterested, and don't be ignorant. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. He's coming back, and I will see them again. My parents, in-laws, I'll see them all again because of what he said. So let's get into God's Word, and may we tell others what God has done, what his plan is. And so that's my, that's my goal, is to honor the Lord, to share what he's got in design for the future that we may know to help others. Because I'm telling you, as time goes on, and the world keeps going down the tubes, people are going to want to know, well, what's, how's this? I had a chance to explain the whole tribulation, how it works this week. What's going on? Well, if you've got a minute, there we go. If you've got a couple years, you're laughing at this. I'll stop. And we'll let the Holy Spirit work. Let's pray together, please. Well, I'm excited about your word. It is amazing that you would have a bird to sing so beautifully this morning, condemning any kind of frustration or negativity when a bird who doesn't even know where its next meal is coming from can sing to your glory. Lord, forgive us all, forgive me, that we somehow think that we have been, I don't know, mistreated or blessed. Lord, you have blessed us beyond measure. May we stop being some pastor, may the pastor stop being looking at the negativisms, the few there are, and realize you are watching over us. You have a plan. So Lord, this morning, I don't know the need, it wasn't even a three-point sermon today, the Lord, is, the Holy Spirit does know needs. And if someone is not sure that they're your child, they've never, they're, just, they're still waffling or they have this unsurety. May they come today. Admit, believe, receive Him, repent, ask Him to be your Savior. Then, Lord, perhaps baptism, perhaps church membership, I don't know, but Lord, you do. May you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.